0: It is my pleasure to welcome back Spec as the presenting sponsor of Fraudology this quarter. Stay tuned for more information and updates on their product capabilities, or click the link in the episode description to request your personal demo of Spec's Trust TrustCloud platform. Welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. I am back today with David Maimon. I am so grateful that he not only came this last Tuesday and shared a lot, and I know a lot of people enjoyed that conversation, myself very much included, but he agreed to come back a second time, actually the night before he's traveling to speak at a conference. So very busy guy. David, thank you so much for coming back to Fraudology today.
1: Thank you so much for having me again.
0: I think it's no secret, especially from our conversation the other day, that we are two kindred spirits looking at this problem from two different perspectives, but we come to the same conclusion in so many ways, whether it's about the fraud threats, whether it's about what happens in the ecosystem if one specific change occurs, or even on specific solution providers who seem to care a lot more about their own bottom line than actually eradicating or even... Decreasing cybercrime. So I love having our, I love talking to you. It's really fun. It's the pleasure, it's mutual, right? I
1: mean, uh, sharing those experiences. And then I mean, to me, the reason why it's so experienced is that you are seeing everything you're seeing and you're seeing more from the vendor side. So you're seeing what's going on there as well. And when we talk about the stuff that we see, kind of complement each other. So I love the the comprehensive insight that we can bring together when we talk about fraud. So it's fun.
0: I do too. Well, and you guys are so much more analytical where you're counting the instances and you're looking at those things from a research perspective, whereas I'm kind of just picking up signals from various companies that tell me what they're seeing. I'm not even looking at the data because I'm one step removed. Now, granted, if I'm working with a specific company in a consulting capacity, then yeah, I'm looking at their data. But most of the time I'm hearing it through like secondhand and it's still aligned perfectly, which is not only really cool, but really sad as well. Like, I wish one of us could say, no, well, I'm not seeing that. Maybe it means that it's better than you think, but no.
1: <laughs> but in a way, it's good, right? Because uh, we, Validate. in science, we spend a lot of time triangulating data, right? Making mm-hmm. sure that what we concluded based on our observations on, on one incident are in collecting data using one method are also valid and also true if we collect the data using different approach, right? And if another person collected data and they come up with a similar conclusion, so Data triangulation is really important, right? Because at the end of the day, the conclusion you can come up with, if you have several data sources, are way stronger. And so that that's perfect. And again, that's why it's really fun talking to you. Because again, you help validate some of the things that we are seeing through your contacts. Yes, it's sad that it's actually happening, right? But it helps a lot in the context of what we are seeing, right? I mean, so so... If we, we talked about it, I think, in the last episode. We started our operation in the darknet. And on the darknet, when we spent a lot of time there, there were a lot of people who were just talking nonsense. What's right? noise. You know, it was really difficult to uh, differentiate the really juicy, good, valuable, reliable stuff from the noise you had there. And so when we presented things in the past from the darknet, there was a lot of suspicion. Right? Because we were able to observe conversations, people talking about specific stuff, right? working on specific types of fraud. But companies, they didn't really experience it. It was so remote. Uh-huh. Now, what we're seeing is in their backyard. And so when we talk about it and other people are talking about it or experiencing this in, in, in the context of their workflow, it, ha- it helps validate that the platforms we oversee in, indeed are legit and could be used. In effort to fight fraud, So, I, again, this is why I think it's important and, and complete, sort of speaking.
0: I agree. Yeah, I feel like it's two different sides of the coin and it is validating. I mean, it's sad, but at the same time, because I also struggle while it's not the same with, you know, data and everything else, but wondering, am I seeing the full picture? Am I, I mean, because I'm not talking to everyone all the time. But I'm certainly talking to enough people where I can get a pretty good sense of, okay, this is what's happening in this vertical of e-commerce. This is what's happening in marketplaces. These are the different types of threats and methods as well as everything else. But I think you know, it's valid. You're the other side of the coin where you're just basically, you're not just, you're seeing everything that the criminals are talking about doing. And I'm hearing everything that the criminals have done. And I think that's the, those are the two pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's complete, you know what I'm saying? Right. That's why, you know, you help validate what I'm
1: saying. I mean, whatever you we are with all these other right. things about anyway. I mean get that that's the truth, right? But as on those platforms there are, there are a lot of things going on and a lot of disinformation and misinformation, um, a lot sure. of ripping happening. So by us talking to each other and sort of pinpointing each other to several directions, it helps validate. To me, it helps validate that what we do is really in the platform, but we really legit in terms of the information that is available there. Right. So it's
0: good. No, I'm with you. And before diving into I'm talking about some of the specific methods that we've talked a bit offline and that you post about on LinkedIn that I know. Many people appreciate you know, seeing it. It's one thing to know in their bank or in their e-commerce company or marketplace or whatever it is, their fintech, that this problem is happening, but it's another to see it in pictures and video from the criminal side that, oh yeah, this is happening. And I know of a few people who, have followed your posts and actually gone and shown their CEO or the president of their bank, hey, this is what they're doing. This is why our rates for this are going up because look, they're and they're bragging about it. And sometimes the leadership will say, how can they do that? You know, how can they put it on and have anyone not take it down? And I'm like, do people really think there's like a police of the internet? Like, unfortunately, yes, there be, you know. 100% there should be. I am all for that. I have said multiple times, especially in the last several months, that I think that the U.S. needs to be similar. The U.K. is already following suit, but having a specific federal law enforcement agency just for online crimes, because just the Secret Service doing the money part and the FBI doing this part and that part. And they also have to focus on so many other things externally of cybercrime. There's just way too many cracks, not to mention the local police and how under-resourced and just undereducated they are, uneducated they are on current processes. And it's hard to do because you have to keep up with them. So yeah, but before going into some of those specific threats, I thought it would be interesting to talk a tad bit about what you guys are seeing on your research subjects. You know, to me, the research subjects for your research, for your team is cyber criminals. And I think that, you know, you and I have talked previously about how much it's changed over the last even three years, but especially the last 10 years, there was some organized crime and there was some street crime, but it wasn't this massive in sheer volume. And at least from my perspective, there's a few different things that have impacted it. And I know we talked a little bit about that on Tuesday, you know, with geopolitical and everything else and the economy and just how easy it is and how there's no repercussions. So more people want to do it and all that. But what are you guys seeing as far as different groups on the internet? What are they looking for? What are they profiting off of? What are their MOs? Like just that side. We don't always get that perspective on the frog fighter side.
1: Sure. So, so you know, just to make sure that I addressed one of the points, which I think is really important what you yeah. were saying. One of the reasons why we believe it's important to share those videos and images is that at the end of the day, we try to come up with conclusions with respect to how things are and how things look like on several fronts. And to me, I think I mentioned that during our last conversation, it's key to be transparent. That's why I upload all those videos, we upload all those images, just to make sure that folks see what I see. We give the context, of course, with respect to how we collected the information, where we found it every now and then, and then we come up with some conclusion with respect to what is going on. So to me, one of the important thing, and this is what evidence-based cybersecurity is all about, one of the important pillar of this approach is how do you know what you know? Mm. We all know that one one is two, how do you know that? So that's what we try to do at the end of the day. I think that there's a huge value in providing this information because at the end of the day anyone can say anything. And as you and I talk a lot about this, anyone is saying every, everything at this point, right? That <laughs> the question to believe, what we consume in mm. what level of should we give, right? In in that or that individual's claim. So to me, it was just important to to touch that point. Um, I appreciate
0: that. Yeah. And to your point, there are definitely, you know, armchair experts in every, in probably every industry. But I think you're absolutely right that there's a difference between opinions or people saying that they're facts without any evidence. You know, trust me because I know this and here's what's happening. And people who say, hey, this is what we're seeing. I'm not claiming to know everything because I never will, because I actually respect and appreciate the massive vastness of this ecosystem. But I am saying, hey, this is how I know this. And I want to provide it for your education. And I think that is such a key when people are choosing who to get their information and education from is, yeah, not just what they know, but how they know it. And if they're willing to show the work, you're spot on there.
1: So going back to uh, your original question, what we see out there, and we've been doing this for quite a while now, we've been doing this for the last five years intensively, uh, the way we do it right now, we do see the Russians targeting our financial institutions. That goes Mm -hmm. without saying, but seeing that for a while, we know and we documented that actually the Russian expressed less interest during the last couple of months or so Hmm. in in our institutions simply because they are too busy with the war. Many of the Russians were in cahoot with several Ukrainians groups when hmm. they were trying to attack uh, our infrastructure. And uh. the war, because of the war, we started to see some rifts, some conversations. People didn't want to work with each other anymore. I would say that beginning of the war and six months to the war, we have seen, at least from where I'm sitting and what I'm seeing, both in the darknet as well as on the online uh, and crypto communication platforms, we have seen the Russian expressing less interest in targeting us. We hmm. have seen them discussing less ransomware. We have seen them organizing less, again, in the beginning of the war and then six months to the war, organizing yeah. people around war groups. And, and But then around seven months to the war, we started to see a resurrection. So the Russians started hmm. to uh, getting harder financial institution more and more. We start again. I look. I looked at the platforms today. We monitor those platforms on a daily basis. They are organizing. They are working on new type of malware, new type of ransomware. Their groups are very active at this point. Right.
0: So that, that's what we see on on the Russian front. I saw something similar. I so. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say something similar on the Russian front. I talked about this in episodes last year. That it was interesting to me, some of the, and I wish I could say who they were only for the purpose of how random it sent, seemed to me, that there were several online retailers that were just saw a massive spike. Like In some cases, it was by 8,000% in that last week of February of last year on account takeover attempts with credential stuffing and that they were all coming from Russia. And what it seemed to be was they were... Going for any way to monetize these accounts with digital money. So if there were credits on the account from a return or from a sale of something, if it was a marketplace, they would transfer that money out. If there was loyalty points, they would transfer that out. If there were gift cards, transfer that. Out. If there was a card on file they could use to make a purchase of digital money and digital gift cards and then send it, transfer it out. It just seemed, it was this insane spike. Like that last week of February through. March especially and then it dipped a little bit but then through the summer it kept at it and kept at it but then they were still going to through institutions and banks and everything else but it seems like yeah they've always been a little more sophisticated on the technical side as far as building bots, scripted attacks, malware, ransomware but i so it's interesting that you've seen it slow down. I have two just from the conversations I've had, at least it's not top of mind to anyone the way it was last year. But that's interesting that maybe they're at a point in the war where they are a lot of the people who are doing these things are now getting called into battle. You know, it's hard to know, but that could be one thing we could think of so we have seen
1: that as well we have seen many russian during the last i would say four or, four or five months looking for fraud related opportunities here in the united states like people mm-hmm. calling out I'm russian i know yeah. how to do this tech refund uh yes, hire me, I've, right? seen so we I've seen that i've seen that from ukrainians
0: little. as well yeah in some of the forums that i just observed too i don't i'm certainly not even close to as, I don't have as much access as you guys do, but it's, that's definitely something I've seen, like similar to some of the posts we've seen on LinkedIn, right? I had to flee my country or I had to flee my city and I have web development skills. It's like that, but just in criminal forum. So I can do polls. Yes, so, I can do,
1: yep. That's exactly what we were saying. But again, at the beginning of the world, we have seen, at least on yeah. the platforms, we, we started to see less people talking about this at the time. I think that to an extent, it's still today. The Russian banks are pariah, so it's complicated for them to get uh, money out. Even if it's take an account here in the United States, problematic for them to funnel the money back to Russia. Mm -hmm. It may be in the form of digital money, or of course, uh, Russian banks. But uh, so that's why um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, slowing down, at least from the Russian front. Now, domestically, I think during the last two years, things have shifted Mm -hmm. dramatically. Right? I mean, yes. um, Oh, yeah. That. Fraud-wise, starting 2020, folks here in the United States, it seems like they discovered that there's money they can just steal with no interruption And yep. so we are seeing a very sophisticated, very elaborated supply chain around the issue of fraud. We, we are seeing several groups all over the country, but mainly in the major metropolitans, developing skills, focusing on different types of fraud, simply supplementing each other or completing each other's operations. groups of folks who can fetch you the identities, group of folks who can uh, manufacture high quality driver licenses and passports, a group of folks who can forge checks, open drop accounts at a very high rate, launder money, folks who can, I mentioned earlier, give you fools and have insider in the credit bureaus. And so they can fetch all the information you need in terms of Source security numbers and credit reports. Very sophisticated supply chain at this point. You know, of course, you have the groups who apply for governmental agencies' benefits, folks who target banks, folks who target retail shops. They all work together. Mm. And that is, to me, more interesting. So you have, you have a very sophisticated supply chain with folks responsible for producing different types of illicit commodities, which will be used in the process of fraud. But then after the fraud has been committed, you, ha- you have folks who help you cash the money, right? I mean, yeah. so either open the bank or in cash the stolen check or opening a drop accounts using old people's faces or purchasing gift cards. a Very sophisticated operation with different actors responsible for different types of operation along with us, the illicit supply chain. Unfortunately, I don't think that things will improve here in the United States before they will get worse mm. because of the depth because yeah. of the level of sophistication, and because of the lack of enforcement tell the truth right that we're experiencing right now in the context of fraud so we talked about the international front the russian of course the north korean always uh, tried to steal our money launder money right i would say less less successfully than the russian But
0: and domestically really, really bad. And I mean, the North Koreans have been allegedly tied to some pretty big breaches of information, different data breaches. I think one of the ones that was well known that was tied to them publicly was like the Sony breach so long ago, allegedly because of a script that they didn't like about North Korea, but that did end up being monetized quite a bit down the line. And there's several other large breaches like that, that are suspected to be tied to them in different security circles. But you're right. I, would you say that you think that at least for the U.S. fraud problem, and we're talking about all kinds of fraud from check fraud and all the different types of fraud that impact banks, as well as fintechs and as well as online companies and governments and all that, that at least from, for those of us living in the U.S., That it seems like the majority of the fraud attacks that are costing so much money and that are just amplified so high are coming from domestically and inside our own house, essentially.
1: 100%. I think that we figured out an extent, a way to deal with the external threat. Yeah. So the Russia, Russia, we we kind of figure out, and tell the truth, I mean... Begins to be more and more complicated to do things from afar. I mean, yeah, you can open a, you can still open a bank account, but, you know, some some documents to send, and some validity, some authentication process needs to take place, right? And so I think that we have figured that to an extent, but domestically, it's, it's like we we're know we're not what to do. Uh, yeah, it's like all those identities Right now, are roaming down the street, and folks are just taking those identities, manufacturing driver licenses, and start stealing money. This is how easy it is. So, in the past, if we had to use fake driver licenses in order to get some beer in a bar when we were sixteen years old, right? Today, those driver licenses are being used to open bank accounts and establish bank accounts and take loans and open businesses. is is huge. You have drive a license, you open a business, and then you can open a bank account, like a business bank account, and apply for a loan or write checks or deposit checks with high balances on them. So it's like we're completely in the dark. People are trying to, people in financial institutions, retailers are trying to figure out what to do in order to keep everything from falling apart. But in my mind, we're still not sure, you know, what to do. And that is to me the sad part, because it has been going on for I would say over a year and I still haven't seen any solution. And I know many people will say, yeah, I have the solution. Yeah. I still haven't seen <laughs> the solution that empirically the criminals say are working. Prevent it. Right. Exactly. I mean the criminals Unfortunately, they love those solutions because they figure out a way to bypass them quite quickly. So I still haven't seen a solution that will put us in a better place, not at this point. And again, I'm not familiar with all the solutions. You might get and some I might be missed. calls
0: after this now. Hmm. But <laughs> you haven't seen mine. But I'm the same way, though. I, I think especially from the identity perspective space and the identity verification space, there are 20 to 30 providers and some of them are all using similar white label technology behind the scene. I know of several of companies on the banking and the e side where they have tried to do an RFI. They're trying to find something. They want to find the right solution. I am constantly either seeing it in the forums that I'm a part of or have created for e-commerce companies to talk to each other or in calls that I host or closed door conversations or people reaching out to me saying, Hey, who's the best identity solution? Like they all say the same thing. And I know at least a couple of people who have gone through and met with every single one of them. And it is insane their experience. I mean, not only from like an unprofessional perspective, some of them are just like, why are you working so hard to get customers? If once you get them on the phone, you're just so unprofessional or you're taking other calls or you don't You just want to sit around and bullshit. No, they just need to see your solution for 10 minutes or one of them that their MO is to, um, you know, say on their website, book here for a 15 minute demo. And so you do that. And all of a sudden, the meeting invite on your calendar is changed from 15 minutes to 45 minutes. Yeah. Wait a second. You said 15 minutes. You just changed it to 45. That's a lot of time on my end. Like, I just need to see what are you doing? How are you doing it? And how does it work? And they all claim different things, but they all sound the same. So it's hard to know how or how is anyone different? And I do know of some of them that, you know, seem to be better than others only because I hear a lot less complaints or there's a couple companies that are like, yeah, we use them. They do all right. But it it depends on the use case. And when it comes to the use case of banking or loans, whether that is mortgages or auto loans or personal loans or business loans, all of those, when the stakes are that high, it's I have yet to see a company where the people who are really saying like the people who use them are saying, oh, this is really making a difference. I do know of one that's coming up You should remind me about after we're recording just because I think there's one that's intriguing to me that's happening under the radar, but it's very different in a very different way. So I'd be curious to know if you're hearing anything from the criminal side of them referencing it, but I don't think it's very, it hasn't really been publicly announced yet. So I'm not sure. And who knows, right? the fact that you're not seeing anyone say, oh, man, they're using this company stay away in the identity space, that means it's a wide open market.
1: So, again, once you understand the all the, the fraud ecosystem, you understand that it's so easy to manufacture documents, which at the end of the day are legit, right? You're, yeah. you're seeing a lot of criminals nowadays manufacturing fake utility bills with the fake driver licenses on them, and they simply mm-hmm. go to the DMV. And they establish a real driver license under fictitious identity. And once you have the real driver license, license, your state manufacturer, sky's the limit. I mean, you can open a bank account and we see these guys opening bank accounts and we see them grow the bank account, which is really like a fine wine, so to speak. And you Mm -hmm. let them. Yep. They know if they
0: do something bad, you know, right at first, that. All the triggers, yep. Well, age that's it. what I'm saying. I was
1: thinking about the tools. I was thinking about the technology. Dude, yeah, these guys I,
0: know it's what they, they do. Nittler's I mean, they good. grow mm-hmm.
1: the account for a period of time. They use the account to submit to a uh, deposit low balance checks. They get some Zelle transaction, they send $20 to, their, to to this account and to that account, the account looks legit. But then, it's, and then at some point, when they grow it to an extent that they now can do some real damage, they create some damage by asking for a loan or by depositing check with high balance in it. That's just the reality. Now, tell me which tool, right, will allow you to identify that. At the moment, I'm not familiar with any tool like that. Right? Any tool, that would allow you to uh, flag a real driver license, mm-hmm. which was
0: manufactured by your by the, state, yeah. but under fictitious identity. What are you going to do? And you're hitting on so many things. I know another big one during the pandemic, especially for P loans and unemployment loans, were taking over. Or basically just reaching out to state drivers license companies and asking for a new license to be reissued for a real person. So saying, "I'm Carice Hendrick and I lost my driver's license. Send it to this address." And even if the address was out of the state, there weren't a lot of questions asked. I think because the good use case would be, well, I mean, there's a lot of people moving to Florida or a lot of people moving different places or living with family. So I guess we can't say that's a an ultimate risk factor. But part of it is, you know, when that happened, when the driver's license departments had to move to online only, I think that's really the key that you're hitting on is I'm trying to think, how can we get more upstream, right? Like when the utility bill is created in a fake name. Utility companies, they are set up for identity verification because they, because especially if they aren't losing any money on that, which usually they aren't, or if they are, it's just, you know, it's not that much. Yeah. There's no incentive for them to say, hey, you. these are stricter guidelines to get a utility bill because we know that getting a utility bill can then help you get a driver's license. And it's these multi-system uh, manipulations and multi-system where you start at the bottom and then you just kind of, okay. You grow it. This big thing. Yeah, you grow it and they have time because they have a supply chain. And so there's constantly a demand and there's constantly a supply. So they will just keep doing that. And if it takes six months to grow it, okay, that's fine. I know there will be a demand in six months. And I can ask for a lot of money because it's going to be worth a lot.
1: Listen, I mean, we see a lot of these guys using fake driver licenses, licenses in order to open phone lines, right, to establish phone lines. So we see them spend a lot of time in T-Mobile, a lot of time in AT&T. We actually see videos of them. I posted some of the, those videos on my LinkedIn account. <laughs> videos of these guys going with fictitious driver's license. I remember that video of it came from Texas. And the guy was, I think it was T-Mobile. He was able to get three SIM cards. Now, three SIM cards. Think about how much damage, right? Oh, can yeah. Three with... phone numbers. That's, yeah. Phone number associated with fictitious identity. So you have that, you have your utility, your fictitious utility bill that you're
0: able to produce. You go to the DMV, you take the driver license test and you have a driver license. Well, and And now you can have three driver's licenses, right? Because you have three phone numbers, right? Yeah, I remember that video too. Yeah. And these are the things where they're using the system against, right? How is a company like T-Mobile supposed to know the difference between that and a person who is getting two phone lines for their kids? Like, It's that's the challenge on the business side is if we slow down and we ask more questions, that's going to cost us money because then we are also slowing down the good users. Same with SIM swaps. I've talked to a couple of people that work for the largest mobile companies who have said, trust me, we would love to slow down the ability to do SIM swap. But actually, the US federal government requires us to do them instantly to another carrier. Otherwise, we are a monopoly. It's all these little things that 10, 20 years ago didn't seem like bad policies because also most companies aren't thinking about what can happen before and after their role. And that's something I had Ayelet Berger Levin on the podcast a few weeks ago. And I don't know if you've had a chance to meet her on through LinkedIn, but she's amazing and has a heart for scams and has a podcast called Scam Rangers. And she was talking about how important it is for every company, whether it's a financial institution or an online company, to un- or a utility company or a government to understand their role in the scam life cycle, to know how can my company be used, both good and bad. Now, the problem is too many companies are only focused on how can my company lose money. They're not focused on how can my company be used and leveraged for bad. That is not the right way of looking at it, obviously, but we also understand that Business is business, so it's hard. But I thought that was a really good point where it's like, you can't just be thinking about how are we going to lose money. You have to think about how can this be used down the line, right?
1: So we talked about it on Tuesday, right? Yeah. The ecosystem. The ecosystem. It is, yeah. It's a biological system. It is. So if you're trying to prevent fraud, and I understand everybody's trying to prevent fraud on their end, right? So Yeah. Huge walls making sure nobody can defraud you. And that's fine, right? But at the end of the day, if you're not trying to prevent and disrupting the ecosystem, it won't stop. It simply will not stop because I don't know if it's news to everyone, but I think think all the fraud fighters know that. The criminals, the fraudsters are very smart. They're Hmm. very sophisticated. They, in in contrast to us, right, where they work together, right? I mean, they have a very detailed (laughs) supply. I talked about earlier. And they other they are expert in bypassing authentication right i mean they help each other you have the guy who manufactured the fake driver licenses you have the guy you can get the, the documents for the fake documents from then you can if you need the social security number all you have to have is take all those documents go to the to the office and apply for a social security you know how many people i've heard of who actually did that who simply fake birth took certificates all the infer- yeah fake birth certificates fake everything went to the office using, yeah Administration, yeah, I'm sorry. And uh, apply for a social security number and they're done. And it. now you have a social security number to work with. So because to me, I think, I think you hit you hit the point. It's the government, right? And the fact that we really have no regulations, really have no organized, co- comprehensive <laughs> policy to really deal with fraud, right? To, <laughs> to really deal with authentication. Like, what does it mean to authenticate identity, right? I mean, is the driver license the best you guys can do? Come on, are you kidding It's like, it's like using password, right? Like 20 years ago to authenticate someone's identity on their email. That's where we at. It it's
0: a really good comparison. Uh, we're
1: losing billions of dollars to this. The government loses billions of dollars. The financial industry loses, loses billions of dollars. The retail industry is using billion of dollars. And again, the sad news is that some of the money, yeah. I mean, the criminals are using to buy their Lamborghinis or Bugatti or whatever, but unfortunately, They also use the money to purchase drugs and guns and people. And all this money goes back to our streets. So it's a, I hate to sound that way, but it's right that that's where we at right now. All this money ending up in all these wrong hands. And it will be funneled back to our streets sooner or later.
0: Sardine is now sponsoring Fraudology. And one of the reasons I've been so impressed by Sardine is their founder, Soup's Ranjan. But after learning about the available options for online fraud detection, he became frustrated with the existing tools on the market. And as fellow fraud fighters, I think a lot of us know exactly the kind of tools he was frustrated with. The legacy fraud tools that just return a score or a signal or a yes, no, maybe without your team getting to understand all of the aggregated data or the value attributed to each data point that goes into calculating that score or the vendor who won't give you your company's data for your own models and their own user interface was probably an afterthought. And let's be honest, Soup wasn't the only one who's been frustrated by the status quo in fraud technology. But not all of us are able to rage quit our jobs, recruit a few of the smartest risk engineers we've ever known, and go build a fraud platform that is truly built by the fraud squad for the fraud squad. A platform for KYC, AML, Oh, yeah, it has been and it will be. I had Eric Bowles on the podcast over last summer where he was, you know, he's former Secret Service, but he went to the private sector and started a investigations department for Subhub. He's now at Yahoo and Apple or Yahoo and AOL. And he back then, I mean, it was 10, 12, 11 years ago where they did a sting at the World Series and they found a guy that was selling fake tickets. And so they worked their way backwards to see the funding source. And the funding source were actually two rival street gangs in Chicago that on the street, their soldiers were killing each other. But up above the two, you know, really the head people, the organized piece were working together on cyber fraud to fund the guns that were killing each other's soldiers. It was maddening. That was 11 years ago. And that stuff happens all the time. And I think we try not to think about it. We don't want to, but the human trafficking piece, the gun piece, the violent piece, the drugs piece, the fentanyl piece, all of those things, they're being funded by the fact that it's yeah. so easy to get away with this.
1: So to me, that's the major issue and you touched it, right? the fact that the government simply doesn't know what to do, and they can't really come up with a cohesive, comprehensive policy that will allow us to authenticate folks in, in a legitimate and reliable... Yeah, and I think out. that they
0: have a lot of challenges, too. I mean, just putting on my devil's advocate hat, and especially when you have administrations or any kind of political position, it seems like there's once they actually get in office, they're so focused on the next election and the next thing, they don't have or what's going to get them elected next time that they don't want to work on those things that are going to take a long time. They don't want to work on the holistic pieces that are going to take a long time for an outcome to happen. But you, in order to tackle this issue, I think you and I and several other very smart people that we know could pretty like describe to them, hey, these are some like short-term solutions and here are some long-term solutions that you need to put in place to help impact and stop fraud all the way through the supply chain on our side. The challenges are they aren't looking at it from that long-term view, but they also often are asking for advice from the companies that provide those solutions. So I see it all the time in different governments all over the place, right? We've seen this many, many times all over the world where a government goes to Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and Discover and says, how do we stop online fraud? And they say, regulate and require 3D secure. I'm not saying that 3D secure doesn't have impact and doesn't work. There are a lot of reasons why it doesn't work as well in the US from a consumer perspective, bank perspective, et cetera. Talked about all that before, but the thing is, is Visa and MasterCard especially, they own the companies that provide 3D secure. So it's basically like they're just asking, of course, right? You ask any food company, right? What type of food should people be eating? Of course, they're going to say their brands, right? You know, having those independent people who are coming at it from a holistic problem would be the right solution. I was encouraged to hear in the State of the Union Address last month that they're wanting to tackle fraud, but I'm always concerned that they're not tackling it in the right way or that they're tackling it up too far up the funnel and not at the very beginning, right? Where, when those utility bills are being obtained, when the social security card is being obtained. I remember how easy it was to get one for my daughter. She was a baby. I could have said her name was anything, but because they don't have those things in place. I also know the one other objective that can happen mostly because of Some of my upbringing is, you know, there are some religious fears around standard authentication and identification. There would have to be some messaging around that to explain the fact that this is to protect you, not to control you. I've been thinking a lot about those issues, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There has to be some out of the box thinking because we are losing a ton of money. And it seems like the organizations and the politicians and whoever is dealing with this, they don't really know what they're doing. It's frustrating right. to me as a citizen here in this country where I yeah. know someone will have to at some point. And I think our kids. And I feel bad, right? Because I think that we can do better oh, if we you. listen. Exactly. If we just think outside of the box. Yeah, you fought fraud this way 20 years ago. It doesn't mean that it will work mm. nowadays, right? And politicians need to understand that the companies, they're great. I love all those companies. Right? But at the end of the day, they're motivated by revenue. that they yeah. get. The bottom of theirs is how much money they make. We need to make sure that we talk to consultants or folks who are unbiased. Yeah. Folks who have Independent. nothing to Improving the system, improving the way we do authentication in this country. Unfortunately, I don't see that happen. I see, it in the context of my work, and I talk a lot to governmental organizations out there. I see them listening, I see them processing, but mm-hmm. then I see them either. In, I don't want to say ignoring right, because I know that they're processing, but mm-hmm. taking the wrong decisions. Now I understand oh, they I have guess. their own, they have their own constituents that they have to address and they need to serve at the end of the day. But I just. Don't understand how folks make those awful decisions right? and making us, lo- us all lose all this money to fraud, which in my mind could be prevented. I wouldn't say quite easily. You Spend some risk this year, but it, you, you can definitely prevent it. Yeah, you were saying it. Just, hit-
0: You were saying it last week or the other day too, where but the big part of it is understanding what's happening and understanding the ecosystem. And unfortunately, the majority of people, it's a full time and a half, it's a full time and a half and three quarters job just to keep up on how quickly the ecosystem is changing. And of course, the majority of people in government, whether they're in a political office or they're in a government position that they'll have for most of their life, they don't know what's possible. So they often will think, oh, this is enough of a ask. Oh, this will be something that only that person will know. Well, no, We somebody who's studied the ecosystem can say, actually, no, you can buy that for five bucks over here. Or you can look that up on this company's website over here. You can find half there. Like, you know, so not knowing what can happen is a big part of the problem. But also the fact that the other day you were saying the same, and I couldn't agree with you more, that for the last 20 years, fraud has stated as A specific level, more or less. And I think that a lot of that is because it was all externally, it was all international, not all, but the majority, a large majority of online fraud, as well as financial fraud that were targeting the U.S. and the U.S. companies, as well as U.S. consumers were international. We now are able to know where that device is located, or if they're emulating the device, we know they're emulating it. We have that technology as the U.S. is because there's so much domestic fraud. I was just listening to something on the news this morning that said something about how one of the issues of the economy is that not as many people went back to work after COVID as you know they expected. Bank. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know exactly what they're doing. They're doing check fraud. They are doing bank fraud. They are doing online fraud. They're doing refund fraud, payment fraud, crypto fraud scams. That's exactly where they're doing. And they're making so much more money and they're not paying taxes on it. That's And we're at the end of the day, and our children, we're the ones who are going to pay them for that in the end, not to mention all the crime that's going to go up in the meantime. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah like the other day you were saying it's not stopping, right? It's not staying under that threshold that we've always, that safe threshold that we've always had it. And I think at the end of the day, criminals aren't going to say, oh, wait, we reached that ceiling of the acceptable level you know, of loss that the bank said. so we're going to go somewhere else. I know they're going to steal you from house and home and everything else. And that's why you have to get more and more creative because it's not going to be the same. They're not stopping at a certain level. We can't detect a certain amount because they look exactly the same. They're getting the same documents. They're getting the same information that we are. So how do you tell them apart?
1: And to me, again, what's so sad is the fact that even if the government knows and I Showing them what I see, they are so swollen. I don't know slow. how
0: to solve it. Oh my gosh, democracy yeah. is just
1: insane. Thinking about what we are seeing, how we could have helped the government. Right, I'm, <laughs> Georgia State University is a state institution, right? so my salary comes from tax hmm. taxpayers. Why wouldn't I be able to help some of the government the governmental agencies, which Are working towards trying to prevent fraud, trying to prevent some of the taxpayers' money to end up in the wrong hand. I've been talking to agencies for two years. They are trying to figure out a way to work with me. I'm state, they're state. Two years. Can can, can you imagine how much fraud could have been prevented? I still don't understand why earlier this morning I was able to find in one market 150 IRS checks. Why? Why? In one day, 150 IRS checks being stolen from, from New York in the Bronx. Why does the government not reach out and say, hey, we understand your state, we're state. Let's try and, uh, let's try and work things out in order to prevent this from happening. And I'm telling you, by the time that we'll do it, and maybe it will be like two years from now, the criminals will still steal the money that, in a way that they, that we're currently seeing right. them doing. I mean, they will completely okay. different. The and then it, the government will take four, four they, more years or to figure out how to stop them from doing this. We so saw again, that to with me, IRS
0: fraud, right? Like we saw that with tax return fraud for the last ten years. It was killing me to see how easy it was. And like now, some people who have been victims of tax fraud are getting a special PIN number. Why is not everyone getting a special PIN number now? I do know from experience of someone in my family that when you get that special PIN number, you can't lose it because then you're really screwed. But like, why are they just giving it to people who were victims, right? It took so long and millions of dollars. And I don't think that they have still accurately calculated how much money has been lost through the IRS tax system. And it's still happening. They have put some things in place that have helped slow it down a little bit. But to your point, why go through all of the hassle of Filing a tax return on someone else's behalf, if you can just go and beat up a mailman and steal all the checks from him in one day. And then you can go, Oh, I know that the IRS sends out their checks on this day. I know it's gonna sure, hit yeah. New York, but by this date, so I'm just gonna go steal the mail or I'm gonna, you know take a welding blowtorch to open up it's just it's absolutely insane and i know that the head of the postal service a president or the postal service police officers association has been very vocal on linkedin as well and i'm glad that you guys are talking to each other i know i think i can i think i suggested you talk to each other when you already were and i was like i that's good i just want to make sure you know each other But he's the same way. It's so frustrating for us. And I know when I tried to contact all those states for unemployment, I don't want to think about how much money I could have saved them. And I wasn't asking for a dime. I just was like, hey, guys, I see a fire happening. And I know how quickly it goes from smolder to explosion. And you guys move so slow. And I did work with one state. And it was so frustrating to me because I had to explain it. And then I had to explain it again. And then I had to tell them what I thought. And then I had to tell, and then they had to think about it. And I'm like, no, but meanwhile, you guys just had a, you lost a million dollars in the last 48 hours. What the heck? So I'm leaving So I mean, you've been talking to the government for a while. I've been okay. talking to the
1: government for a couple
0: mm-hmm. so, so, from our
1: experiences, from our experiences, the only conclusion I can come up with, the only thing I can surmise is that they don't give a shit. That's the only conclusion I can come up with. You know, or it's I, too I don't much understand. It takes
0: too much time to understand and their infrastructure isn't set up for it. But you're right. If they gave more of a shit, they would figure those are problems that can be solved. Those are problems that should be solved. You put the right people in charge and you let them do it and you take care of it and you say, okay, we understand there's not going to be a really quick, quick solution. But there are some things that can be done fairly quickly. But this is going to over the next five years, if we put this in place this is going to happen, just starting at some point, because it is going to take a while. But having their ears to the ground, knowing what criminals are doing, I was even, and I'm sure you had this experience too, contacting some of those states. I had one to essentially tell me to F off, or actually told me to go F myself, was because they were like, we can't be defrauded. You don't know what you're talking about. They're one of the top states that has lost the most money. And they've been in the headlines locally every single day for how much money they lost. But two months in, they were like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. If they just would have trusted the source, I even sent them screenshots from a tutorial. I never applied for money in their state, but I sent them an entire like document that somebody created that was selling on public market or public forums encrypted markets. And you know, saying, Hey, this is exactly how they're doing it. Screenshot, screenshot. How would I have that information if people weren't doing that? But they're just like, nope, we don't have it. They want to put their fingers in their ears. They want to close their eyes and say it's not happening. And at what point, like at what
1: cost? So to me, it's a gross negligence, right? Of the most Mm -hmm. important thing that we have, right? For us (laughs) as human beings, we're identities. What's more important than your identity? If someone is using your identity and is starting to using it to do all kinds of things, right? We're talking about bank fraud. We're talking about financial institutions. We're talking about retail. But think about the following, right? I mean, someone can take your identity, manufacture a fake driver license, go purchase a gun on your behalf, and then start shooting people right, all over the place. And yet, nobody cares. Nobody. There, there are no regulations about our identities and who can use it and how we can prevent from other people from using it. And that should come from the government. The financial industry, they have a lot going on and they do a lot of bad things, right? But they're part of the victims in this game. They're trying their best to figure out whether you are who you say you are when you open a bank account. But if the government just approved your new LLC that you open under fictitious identity, Mm -hmm. what would the bank do? They flag you, right? As an imposter. So to me, we have to start there. We have to start with governmental regulations. They need to acknowledge that there is a huge issue right now and that our identities are being used. Think about the Russian, right? The Russian right. are still using our identity.
0: We have domestic actors who are now responsible for what we're seeing here in this country. Well, and they can do and so much more damage because they're in this country, right? They can get the real documents, but they exactly, can also exactly. do real damage because they can pick up the mail. They're not having to rely on all the things that you know, out of state or state actors outside of the U.S. are doing to here. It's we self-inflicting wounds. The mail is just one aspect. I'm talking about a drop bank accounts folks are mm-hmm. opening right now. Yeah.
1: Laundering millions of dollars and depositing all those checks. And they're here in the country. I
0: mean, yeah. they send folks from within the United States to open those bank accounts. Usually in person, because, yeah, as much as people think that And there certainly is a lot of fraud that happens online. But honestly, a lot of this is domestically, they're walking into the banks, they're hiring people to open up mule accounts and different drop accounts. And because they can just walk in and a lot of companies and banks have not put in as many, they've been so focused on the online factor, and rightfully so. That they don't have the same structure. They think, okay, well, I see this person standing in front of me. Their picture kind of looks like the picture on the card, so they must be that person. It's not enough anymore. Yeah. So again, to me, th- th- there got to be some kind of regulation
1: right, mm-hmm. around the issue of identity authentication. Without that,
0: uh, we will to experience
1: what we're experiencing in this country in the in, in the context of fraud, right? And I'm telling you, in the next year or so, things will not get better. No. I mean, only get because i'm not familiar with any good reliable solution which can help in this
0: yeah i think something that's interesting that just kind of came to me and we talked so much about the ecosystem the other day and i had kind of a little bit of a different vision coming or kind of picture coming to my head today where you know it's almost like as if putting this in the physical world it's almost as if a town or a city or neighborhood don't have anyone governing, right? There's no governing laws. There's no governing rules. There's no, no police enforcement. There's no repercussions for wrong. But each individual person who owns land is responsible for only their part. So if each individual homeowner or each individual business owner who owns that land is only looking at their part, there's no way that they're going to be able to look at crimes that are stealing from one place and committing a crime over here, right? They're stealing the tools to commit a crime from this store and they're committing the crime over there. There's no one overseeing it. There's no, you know, anything, whether there's rules in place or expectations or guidelines or enforcement. And so everyone's out for themselves. And that's exactly what we're seeing with the banks and retail and fintech and governments and all that is I'm responsible for my yard. I'm responsible for the money that my company could lose. I'm not responsible for the way that my company or anything that my organization and the government creates that allows people to then do the next step. I'm not responsible for the fact that if, you know, I give them a social security number, they can now go get a driver's license. And if they get a driver's license, they can now get a phone. And if they can get a phone, they can now get a bank account. And if they get a bank account, watch out. Like we're not There's none of that. And I think that's really what we're talking about today is that need for, I mean, the time was five years ago, but if ever it's a time to start having conversations seriously and understanding that, hey, we're going to have to all work together in a different way. I mean, I've been such a proponent of collaboration on the retail side, especially for the last 15 years of my career. And I can't tell you how much magic I've seen happen in that, where I introduce some of the biggest competitors to each other and they're like, oh, you're seeing that too? How are you fixing it? Okay, what are you doing? And working together on that realm, but we need it way higher up. We need much bigger tent and we need not just the people who care about fraud to do the buy-in. We need the leadership, the people who write the checks, who can have the foresight to say, hey, I might have to budget more money now for fraud prevention or for my teams to travel a little bit, to go have these conversations and explain from a telecom perspective, how all the things we have put in place, because I think what really needs to happen next, and this is my consultant brain talking, but we need to get all of the people in the room of all those different steps to get something and say, what are all the steps? What needs to happen? What are you doing on your end? What are you trying to do to impact it? What else can we do? and start putting some things in that will be throughout that scam life cycle, not just within that one property. That right. may not ever happen, but that's what I would love to see is companies saying, okay, you know what? I get it. We have to write a check now, but it is going to be 10, 20, a hundred times less than what we're going to pay out in a few years. If all of these things, because think of how many identities are just being grown right now. We haven't even seen them in the market yet. And yep. you probably know the number. <laughs> I don't, but I know it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going
1: on. And I, and I completely agree with you. More
0: We see people, call, like
1: organizations, talking to each other. We see the mm-hmm. government talking to the financial yeah. institutions. And so. But again, the ecosystem. It's not needs be, it, it, needs yes. ecosystem. it needs to be an ecosystem. needs to be with the understanding of what's happening all over the world right across yeah. the board respect criminals are using and in a way painting those organizations against each other if you think about it right they oh they are 100 percent. once i have social security members i can open a bank account right when i have a bank account i can start doing other things so asking for loans and doing other things right? so the ecosystem and understanding how the fraudsters are mm. using those organizations i think that folks need attention to and come up with a thorough comprehensive and clear solution. Without that, it will continue to happen and that we won't be able to stop it. Yeah.
0: And it sounds hard because it will be hard, but anything worthwhile is hard, but it's going to be worse. Of course it's hard. But I have seen some very impressive programs and systems and technology be built over the last 15 years that we never could have imagined back then. And I've seen them be effective. There are definitely some people within our industry who get a little apathetic and who say like, oh, it's hard. To, you know, there's too many steps. So I guess we just need to keep writing off money. But no, there are so many people that care about this. And if they're brought together in a room and told, hey, we get it. This isn't just about protecting our own yard. It's about protecting the neighborhood and getting the government involved to do that and all the steps. There are a lot of things that can be done that won't actually impact the everyday person either. You know what's going to impact them worse when their identities are stolen or when somebody asks for their driver's license to be sent to another address so they can rack up credit in their name and how hard that is. The alternative is so much worse. But the challenge is, I think, in our society, we become so attached to wanting instant gratification and wanting an instant fix. And if there's too many steps, then it's too hard. Well, because we're seeing these guys not stop at that 2 or 3% level, and they're just keep taking and they're recruiting more people because they're posting pictures all over social media with, as you said, dollar bills all over their arm and all these watches and their friends or even other people are like, wait, how'd you get that? I want to do that. It's just going to yep. keep getting worse and worse. And I've already seen several companies have to go out of business because of the cost of fraud. It's going to get worse. So- so
1: it's important we understand the trend. It's important when we understand how folks are, how the criminals are working. Yes, and then come, try to come up with solutions which are effective. Yeah, you don't, you don't. That's what I keep telling my students. At the end of the day, if you have a smart solution, you don't have to be sophisticated selling it.
0: You hmm. just need to be smart.
1: That's, <laughs> that's, that's all. Talking so oh, yeah. your way oh and gosh. impressing people is, you know, pyrotechnics and all that. I and mean, that's good if don't have most a of solution. the companies you
0: have- you? yes most of the companies i see that are spending so much money to try to get people to buy their solution whether it's Michelin star restaurants, or it's these huge events or sending $300 bottles of whiskey or whatever, you know, courtside seats or whatever crazy things happen because they do on cybersecurity, but also cyber fraud side, almost always those companies are the ones that don't actually have a good solution. They have to do that to your point. But I'll see other companies where it's like, they're just chugging along and they're like, hey, we just want to help stop this problem. And they're at some point, the whole market goes, oh, wait, they don't care as much about that. They're just doing, they're not even trying that hard to get my business. It must mean that they have a lot of business already and they must have a lot of business already because they're working, but that's not always the case, but it certainly is part of it. And I do think that we need investments in technology to be able to keep up with the ecosystem. But from your whole point throughout our conversation, it's important to be looking at the ecosystem and have the ecosystem be your goal not just protecting one company or or getting a bunch of money for your company and your family
1: exactly the ecosystem should be the goal right Mm -hmm. and the trends on the ecosystem should be the goal right so identify those trends and coming up with solutions rapidly that's what it's all about okay
0: so i shouldn't be surprised by this that you know i always think that there's so much time to talk about things. But then especially when I get passionate about a topic, I then start taking up time as well. But it's fun to talk to somebody who has similar frustrations and observations. Cause I am often the only one of the only people that has this 10,000 foot view of my ecosystem on the anti fraud site on retail and some banking that it's fun to talk about and go, yes, this is the solution we need. But I'd love for you to talk a little bit about some of the other trends you 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 did a good job of talking about how easy it is to get a driver's license and some of the things you're seeing there, um, and especially on banking side, but especially, you know, for retail e-commerce, for marketplaces, for other things like that. What are some of the other big things you and your team are seeing and tracking right now that these companies should be aware of? So, so yeah, this is really important for me just to mention that we're seeing that check
1: theft is still going on. We are seeing very large number of checks being stolen all over the country. People talk a lot about washing the checks, it doesn't really happen anymore. Folks <laughs> are now cooking the check. Now there are many tutorials, many people teaching you how to use the software which are out there to cook the checks. So, you know, washing the checks is on back burner. We see folks <laughs> just scan signatures to the software, the victim signature to the software. Uh, Using, of course, the credentials, the PIIs of the account holders with the account number and simply printing those checks and then rewriting them. Washing checks was cool a year ago. Now it's just cooking it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You used to be able to see all these demos with the asset and other things. I've tried to wash them, but now... They're just able, because of technology, they're able, and I imagine that also means that they're able to have the right paper and the right, uh, yeah. so the different so, watermarks and things like that on a check, if they're just yeah. reprinting it with the scanned signature.
1: So the pens and everything, yeah, folks were for recommending to buy the pens. I'm not sure you need to be worried about this anymore. You know, well, that's actually everybody.
0: good because I've been trying to write with these damn things and they're not my <laughs> favorite. Right. And I also just don't write checks anymore, so there's that. But, wow.
1: So, so we've seen a lot of folks uh, stealing the checks. Uh, in the context of the checks, we also see a lot of compromised bank accounts folks are selling. And once you have access to compromised bank accounts, once you purchase a compromised bank account, you also have access to the checks. It's the account holder write checks. So we see, and this is one of my favorite things. Right? So essentially, the criminals do it. They teach you how to take the account information from the checks on the daily balance speaking the daily transaction you have you'll be able to scroll through the list of transaction and if folks have been writing checks they will be able to click on it and you'll be able to get the scan of your check the criminals now is they take this information and they, they cook the check so they don't really have to steal the checks from the mailbox anymore we see that happens a lot and Compromised bank accounts is definitely one of the big things we still see. Folks are talking now about remote desktop accesses, a lot access to bank accounts that they sell, like the credential, they also sell you access to the victim's computers. So yes. that is kind of a thing, right? Because banks are now doing security by preventing traffic from unknown networks to their network. But now the criminals are using the victim's computer in order to access their bank accounts and send money all over,
0: right? So we see that- Well, and back to that malware from Russia is one of the biggest ones. It allows them, once they're- and they can send any kind of email or anything to just have them click that link. Once they have that, not only is it all of their login information and the session data, right? So what the IP address is, what the device is, what the browser language is, et cetera- they're also then given UrSnif will allow them access to that victim's computer. So yeah, if they figure out, okay, we really, this is a high net worth individual. They probably have a lot of money in their bank account. Then we're going to target them. It's not that hard anymore because you're right. They can now just access the victim's computer. And it's similar to getting an ID on an actual ID from the DOL. It's how can you tell the difference between the victim and the the criminal if they're using their computer and they got an actual driver's license and they're doing all the things it's it makes it's but it's that's, hard but it's not impossible there are definitely ways there are just even for those situations I, there are either solutions or processes that i think that, that i can think of right away to go well but if you did this or this that would at least slow it way down so the, it's not true. impossible because i never want anyone to just throw their hands up and be like oh, no, hard. it's, way it's, harder than it was before that's... but yeah there's books, a combination
1: of solutions 100 percent. i will say just one more one more trend we're seeing that is relevant yeah. to banks and then i'll talk yeah a possible solution which i think banks are trying to employ a smaller bank do not and they mm. an should time on that. the the next big thing is definitely the drop back bank accounts all those identities folks now have access to on the streets are being used to open bank accounts i said because we're seeing a lot of drop, a lot of business drop accounts being opened as well. We're talking mm-hmm. about businesses which the criminals are establishing and then growing uh, using fictitious identities. But we also see the criminals stealing legitimate businesses' identities. So they open bank accounts of existing companies under the same company's name, just adding an S or a D or an E mm-hmm. at the end of the board. Mm-hmm. And uh, doing that, uh, they're able to launder a, launder a lot of money, right? I'm familiar with several victims who lost more than $2 million to these kind of scammers. And we are seeing more and more of those drop accounts being established. It's a major thing right now. And I think that banks should definitely pay more and more attention to that. The solution or part of the solution in my mind is upstream. It is instead of us, instead of financial institutions trying to figure out things after they happen... Downstream, trying to detect fraud after it happens. Folks need to be out there in the ecosystem, trying to figure out who's talking about, what are they talking about, take some of the intelligence and then work with it. So, these are the three major things we see in the context of fraud, in the context of the financial industry, in the context of the retail industry. Gift cards is huge, the issue of gift cards. Yeah, criminals are definitely purchasing gift cards and laundering money through the gift cards. And I talked about it off, offline several times already, but the fact that there's really no regulation on the issue of gift cards is a big deal. And it's, it's a very
0: lucrative
1: business right now. Criminals are laundering millions of dollars using gift cards and nobody's stopping them. Um, yeah. So to your point, that- the
0: regulation, yeah. On the banking side, there's anti-money laundering regulation and they have to fill out SARS suspicious activity reports whenever they see certain indicators. And one of them is the transferring of funds of more than $10,000 per day. On gift cards, There's it's almost like an advisory or a guideline to retailers that you shouldn't be allowing one person to purchase more than $10,000 in gift cards a day. Now, who's purchasing a $10,000 gift card to a retailer in one day? I don't know, but I you know some businesses do in some ways. That's way outside of scope. But the problem for the retailers is tying those identities together. Both online can be tied, not simply, but it can be done. But when they're going into the stores, which is where the majority of these gift cards are being purchased because they know this, if one person goes in and buys $10,000 of gift cards at store A and then they go to store B and then they go to store C or even at different registers within the same store most pos terminal technology is so out of date they don't have the ability to capture identity or any kind of indicator that the person who bought the card at 1005 a.m. is the same person who you know at this location is the same person who bought the card at 1235 p.m. at the other location and so there's no way so what happens is retailers are like that's impossible to do so we'll just still we'll tell them we're doing it and we're doing the best we can but that's it and that's really why there's so many gaping holes and why it's able to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, that and the fact that criminals are using those retailers' identities in order to open bank accounts, taking some of their, applying for tax refunds under those identities and getting them into the drop accounts. These are the big things currently seeing in the ecosystem.
0: Yeah, and you're seeing individuals as well as businesses being hit in multiple ways. We used to just see one identity or one person have credit cards opened in their name or just have text refund in their name or just have a bank account in their name, whatever it was. But now it's okay. Yeah, to your point where you just said, right? We can steal, we can do this, we can buy their gift cards. We can also steal their bank their business information, probably with some really good social engineering. Like, you know, my guest a couple weeks ago was a corporate spy talking about how much information he got from different companies. It's the same kind of way, <laughs> right? And then they're stealing the bank, the business's account switching it to their bank account and then or even just having their own bank account that's separate from the business but they're using that business's name to launder money and do all these things it's just it's exasperated right it's not one fraud per person or per victim it's multiple levels and that's part of the ecosystem too you see that happen all the time where the identities are then once they're used up for this purpose then they're sold up for another purpose and then they're sold for this other purpose it just keeps going
1: and we know that the fraudsters are very versatile and so they oh, don't yeah. work only one type of fraud. Of and one of the favorite studies we published ever, we actually were able to hack the hacker or hack the fraudsters, right? And so we've seen their inboxes and what they're talking about and the type of fraud they're working on, right? And so we were able and we were able to uh, get 77 inboxes of fraudsters from several places and a million of emails that we to go through. And you were seeing, right, how people are focusing on or targeting different types of populations, developing different types of frauds using one or two email addresses. So on one email addresses, we're able to see fraudsters working on business email compromises fraud, romance scams, able to see the same email address being associated with Baby theater scams and service provider scams. Uh, yes. Yeah, so many scams coming from specific email, specific groups. These guys are versatile and they keep coming up with
0: new plays on a weekly to basis. To the same so, victims. And they probably assume if they, I don't like to use the term fell for a scam on the consumer side, but if they believed us that we were these people, they'll believe us that we're this group or we'll I come can, back yeah. behind and say, Hey if you are a victim of fraud, we provide insurance or we provide something else and they'll just keep doing it left and right. Is that study that you talked about, is it public?
1: Yeah, it is public. I can send you the, it's actually a book we published. I can send you that. Uh,
0: Yeah. And I'd love a link to where other people can order it or get it, download it. I have a feeling that many people listening would love to read that. I've Taking up so much of your time already. I am just so grateful for this. There's so obviously so much more that we could talk about, but hopefully we can meet in person at some point or record another time. Yeah, yeah I, it would be so much fun and I really appreciate it. I've told a few people that listen to this podcast regularly that you are my guest this week and they're really excited you're kind of i don't know if there's such thing as being a rock star on linkedin if so then i don't know we're both maybe in that and some to some people like it you've got the you know engineering linkedin you've got the sales linkedin well we're like the fraud linkedin and we're just two people that like to post and share information right so people know who we are but i think it's important because getting that information out and like we said so many times anyone who's protecting companies, they need to know what's going on the front lines and they don't have time, right? Because they're so busy fighting today's battle. It's hard to know what tomorrow's is going to be. And so that's why I'm so grateful that you and your team at the Evidence-Based Cybercrime Research Center are there and are collecting so much and sharing so much. I, I think that your program will continue to grow as it should. And you guys are really doing great work. So- Thank you again so much, David. I really appreciate it. And I will let you go. Thank you. Well, I will let you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you again so much. Thank you again to Spec for sponsoring today's episode. I'm really excited for more online companies to see what's possible with their fraud infrastructure. Specs Trust Cloud is way more than just another fraud product, and I hope you'll visit com to learn why.